Hello and welcome to At The Letters. Ben Nicholson-Smith here with you. Arden Swelling here with us as well. Uh, the show is produced, I should say, by Christian Ryan and Nick Andrade. So thanks to both of them for uh, bringing this show to you wherever you find your podcasts. And Arden, I mean, it's pretty obvious where we're going to start the discussion this week. Uh, a couple months ago, if you had asked either one of us who is the best pitcher on the Toronto Blue Jays, well, actually, we probably would have said Kevin Gosman, that he was the pitcher best position to make a huge impact on this team moving forward. And that part of it looks right. But I, I certainly wouldn't have hesitated in putting Alec Manoa second on that list uh, for the Blue Jays. And there are so many angles to get into here, but... Uh, you know, I'll just start by saying the fact that he was optioned on Tuesday to the Florida Complex League. We actually had that discussion at the end of spring training when he was named opening day starter. We had the discussion of who we thought was the like just the best pitcher on the Blue Jays. I know I went Gosman, and I'm pretty sure you went Gosman yep. as well. And then we had the discussion of who should be the opening day starter, and I went Gosman, and I'm pretty sure you went Manoa based off of Cy Young finalist and the year that he had prior either way at the time, like neither of those answers seemed ridiculous, right? Like both of them were totally supported by the evidence that we'd seen to that point. Like it's just a reminder of how quickly things change in baseball. That was two months and change ago, right? We're talking nine, 10 weeks ago that John Schneider and Pete Walker were calling Alec Manoa into the the manager's office in Dunedin to tell him that he's going to be the opening day starter. We've all seen the video. Uh, and now here we are, early June, two months and a bit later, and they're calling him into the office at the Rogers Center to have a markedly different discussion. Yeah, one that sends him to Florida. He will go down there, by the time you're listening to this, uh, should already be in, in Florida, uh, where he'll work with Blue Jays uh, coaches and performance staff and try to get him back on track. And it's a really interesting question as to what exactly that looks like. I don't think there's a single thing here that is wrong with Alec Manoa. I don't think it's like, oh, he's tipping his four-seamer or, you know, oh, he's not able to throw his change up for strikes. He's not able to throw anything for strikes consistently enough. The results have have not been there. I mean, anyone listening to this is well aware of the numbers, um, has probably watched a good chunk of his starts. I will not sit here and, you know, list off just how frustrating the season has been or, or where those numbers sit. He is at the bottom of the league in the important categories, uh, like strikeout rate minus walk rate, like XERA, like ERA, like walk rate. And by the bottom, I don't mean like toward the bottom. I mean, like at the bottom. So there's a lot going on there. And I don't know about you, Arden, but to me, I'm not surprised after that start against the Astros that they sent him to the minors. I was a little surprised that he went all the way to Florida. Yeah, he's been one of the least effective starting pitchers in baseball this season. Of that, there is no debate. I'm not surprised that he went to Florida. This is I never thought that he would go to Buffalo because it's pretty clear Alec Manoa just needs a reset and needs to take a step away from competition, from the pressures of every five day having days having to go out and compete against some of the best in the world. And at AAA, you're still competing at a very high level. There's still an expectation to win. There's still all those pressures and anxieties and demands. And I think the Blue Jays want to give him a break from that. So I'm honestly not surprised at all that it was Florida. The the complex is down there, a ton of staff and um, resources that can help him are down there. Um, I think it's probably the best environment for him to be in right now, honestly. Yeah, there are definite positives, right? And the first step for him will be doing kind of like an intake, sort of the, along the lines of what players might do at the very start of spring training, where they get a sense of how is he lining up mechanically and physically, because that's part of everything that's going on here. But I guess the reason that I say that it's a little bit surprising is you know, if the Blue Jays thought this was maybe like a, hey, two weeks, like let's get him a couple starts in Buffalo. Let's just get him in the strike zone more and then he'll be back up and we can go from there. Then maybe it is Buffalo to send him to Florida, you know, and, and they haven't set a timeline and we don't know what the timeline is, but it at least creates the possibility in my mind that this could be a longer term stay in the minor leagues. Like it's not just, hey, we want to see you fill up the zone against the minor league hitters. It's we're going to really take a look at what this looks like. And the first hitters that he faces, I mean, the Florida Complex League, for anyone who's not super familiar with it, it's a short season league. It's a development league. You're facing hitters who, for the most part, are very, very early 
in their pro careers. So he might be facing some 17 or 19 or 20 year old, you know, young men. Um, you know, I hesitate to call them kids, but in some cases they might literally be kids um, that he's facing there. That's the challenge. But but it starts with being in the strike zone a whole lot more than he has been at the major league level. Yeah, in some cases it might be like 17, 18 year olds out of the Dominican international signees. I mean, that's the age that you're you're looking at there. You sign those guys at, at 16. So, uh, but it's not really about the quality of competition, right? It's not about who he's facing. It's about what Alec Manoa is doing. And like we can cite a million different statistics here in terms of zone rate, edge rate, first pitch strike rate, the pitches per inning, the innings per start, the walks, et cetera. It does just come back to control and command. And like some of the misses from Alec Manoa in his starts leading up to the Houston one were a little bit shocking at just how much he was missing by, how far outside the zone he was, how uncompetitive some of those pitches were. So it's about sorting out what is going on physically with him to get him back to commanding his stuff. Uh, and, you know, we can go even more specific than that and say, really, like, it's it's the arm side of the plate. Honestly, that's mm-hmm. such an important area for him. That's where he dominated in 2022, and it has not been there for him at all in 2023 so you think about those front hip two seamers to righties or you think about those four seamers located away from lefties so that you can come back in with a two seamer or attack their back feet with sliders like he just hasn't those are just really foundational elemental pitches to him that he hasn't had at all this year so it's about finding those and like everything that i've been told is that it is bullpens that's there and it's fine and of course people would tell people like me that right so I, who knows i'm not in those bullpens i don't see maybe he's spraying it all over the place in there as well i don't know but my understanding is that like everything's fine on the bullpen mound in between outings side sessions it's once he goes to the game mound that it sort of falls apart and that it gets away from him so it's about kind of identifying where the breakdown is there between what he's doing away from his starts and then what he's carrying into his starts for sure and, and you know i want to say He's 25 years old. You know, there's a long way ahead here for Alec Manoa in professional baseball. None of what I'm saying here, I presume the same probably holds for you, Arden. Like none of this is meant to like write off who Alec Manoa is. He's still got a bright future ahead of him. We saw what he's capable of. We've talked about it at length, literally since he was a minor leaguer on At The Letters. So probably since he was a draft prospect. So he's still got lots of time to sort this out. Now, with that being said, like this is going to sound kind of negative for a second um, with that as an overarching comment here. But, you know, you look at what he's been doing in the major leagues and it's a fastball that's like 91, 92 and it's getting crushed. Hitters hitting 328 against it. His primary off-speed pitch, his slider, also getting crushed. He can't locate either one of them. Then you look at some of the, you know, quote unquote, little things He's not great at fielding his position. Um, see, the pitch clock has seemingly been a challenge for him at times. He doesn't hold runners well. He doesn't control the running game well. Um, you know, you look at the the body language in the dugout between innings. It is not the composed consistency that you get with a Kevin Gosman. He has clearly, and, and you know, to his own credit, by his own admission, been very, very frustrated by this season. Mentally, it's been a challenge for him. So, you know, you paint that picture. It's like, yeah, this is not going well. And no one's saying otherwise. Alec Manoa, we didn't hear from him after his demotion, but I'm sure he would, you know, he's been pretty upfront about the the fact that this has been a challenging year. But it's kind of wild because, again, go back two months, go back to where he was last year. The, the pitcher he was in 2021 and 2022 is very, very different than the one that I just described and the one that we've watched for the first 13 starts of 2023. That was a strikeout. That's the fifth strikeout for Manoa. That's significant. That gives him 300 strikeouts for his career. And this is his 50th career start. A tremendous beginning to his young pitching career. He has struck out more. Yeah, it's a constellation of things right that need to be addressed both physically and mentally and i think that's why the blue jays are just going to take him away from competition right now and allow him to reset you have to understand how um unsettling this this must be 
for for Alec Manoa how like disconcerting just how uh, just how troublesome uh you know the the thoughts in his mind must be right now throughout this entire season but now just having the like the jarring realization of uh you're no longer a big leaguer and you're like going to the Florida Complex league uh you know to to hang out as you said with the teenagers who are just beginning their careers down there you're a Cy Young finalist not that many months ago prior to that in your rookie season you got rookie of the year votes prior to that you had like nine minor league outings that were absolutely dominant so dominant that they got you to the big leagues faster than anyone would have ever imagined prior to that you were a stud in college prior to that at high school i mean you were obviously like incredible so at no point in your baseball career have you struggled and have you struggled like this at the highest level um it's it's got to be like very very hard for him i bet you it takes honestly like a week for him just to sort of come to terms with where he's at and to then start building up again like they're you know the the psychological aspect of this is very real and none of us are inside of his head none of us know the conversations he's had with the you know mental performance coaches and sports psychologists that the blue jays have on staff but like that's that's part of it is like how to deal with the yeah. mental side of this as well like this is like people will get on the jays for being very deliberate with their development of pitchers and being just like the you know just really trusting the process really taking their time with it like this is why you know, like Alec Manoa didn't have a ton of minor league development before he got to the big leagues. Alec Manoa didn't get exposed to failure until really this year, right? Like Alec Manoa didn't face adversity like this until right now. So, you know, some of the tools that he would need to get through that maybe aren't necessarily there, or at least haven't been established um, or he's not easily accessing them right now like this is why pitching development is so important this is why it takes so long this is why it's such a deliberate process that's on top of by the way like the significant workload and innings jumps that alec manoa has had year over year yeah it's a lot of pitches it's a lot of toll um for anyone you know it's it's funny like going back i don't think he was a fully finished product obviously in 2021 when they called him up at the same time I think it was the right call to call him up then. They obviously needed that push. They were very, very close to making the playoffs. Obviously, it was the right call to have him in the major leagues last year. Um, you know, the the numbers, the results, they, they bear it out. But it doesn't mean that he was ever a fully finished product. And to your point, there are some aspects, including overcoming struggles, that take some time. And, you know, even within the Blue Jays staff, there are some good reminders of that. Um, you know, certainly... Kevin Gosman, who, you know, continues just to perform at an elite level. In Kevin Gosman making his 13th start of the season. He has not allowed an earned run in six of the first 12. And he gets Pena swinging for the first out of the ballgame. I mean, Cy Young um, level performance from Kevin Gosman thus far this season, tying a career high with 13 strikeouts Tuesday in a win over the Astros. Um, but... You know, it, it was only four years ago that he was on waivers, you know, like that's not that long that he was legit like a DFA and picked up by the Reds. That's um, how recent that was. And he was saying after his start on Tuesday, you know, how a younger version of himself would have approached the entire experience of uh, that particular start very differently after allowing a leadoff home run. He said, he, you know, it's hard to know how we would have navigated that situation. And, you know, maybe his stuff was, you know, comparable, but his mental approach has changed a lot since then, allowing him to uh, be the pitcher who he is today. So there's one example. Another example, Chris Bassett on this pitching staff, another really consistent pitcher for this team. Chris Bassett has been optioned not once, like Alec Manoa has, 14 times if you look back at his career. Like it, this, this happens, and Manoa is struggling worse than probably Gosman ever has, probably worse than Chris Bassett ever has. This is bad. But guys recover from this stuff, and sometimes it takes a while to get to the point of consistency that Manoa strives for. That happened to those guys in their late 20s as well, right? Like they weren't as new at this as as Alec Manoa is. Uh, Jose Barrios, his rookie year with the Twins. I mean, he finishes with an ERA over eight. He was optioned. Came back a year later, ended up being one of the more consistent starters 
in the American League. Like it's no, there's no shortage of examples of people who have been through similar things like this. Um, these are the survivors we're talking about, by the way, when we talk about Barrios and Bassett and Gossman, some guys yep. have struggles like this, get optioned and never come back. Great. A lot of guys, by the way, we don't point them out because they don't come back and we don't see them. So we are very like, there's a lot of survivorship bias here as well. Like it should be said, there is a potential outcome here and I don't believe it's going to happen. I'm sure you don't believe it's going to happen, but there is a potential outcome here where like Alec Manoa is done as a big leader. And I don't sure. think that's what's going to happen just to be completely clear. But like that is also <laughs> this Blue Jays fans uh, hit pause or <laughs> exit the podcast immediately. <laughs> but that's also like something that's that's a possibility here. There's plenty of guys who have like certainly not been as good as Alec Manoa has been like Cy Young finalists, but who, who have had good big league seasons and then hit a bump in the road and not been able to recover from it. So that's why like the work that Alec Manoa is going to do for the next days weeks months is so important and why the blue jays have to be so thoughtful about it like there's a possibility you don't see alec manoa back at the big league level until much later this season if at all like fans should be prepared for that possibility because this is not something you want to shortcut as the blue jays it's not even so much about 2023 with alec manoa this is about 2024 2025 2026 like this is about doing it the right way and getting him right and making sure that he is just going down to do this once and then coming back and just being something close to himself again and he has something sustainable going forward. And as long as that process takes is as long as it takes. There's not going to be a, oh, we really need somebody to make a start in mid-July, like we're up against it and this guy's hurt and you know there's no one at AAA, let's just bring back Manoa. You're not rushing him back for no. that. You are doing what is best for the long-term future of Alec Manoa and that could take quite some time. Yeah, we just don't know how long it's, it's going to take. We don't. Um, I think we do know that for him to return and be successful he needs to be able to fill up the zone with all of his pitches. You know, importantly, his four-seamer, his two-seamer, and his slider. If he can't locate those consistently within and around the edges of the strike zone, you're not going to get very far. So that's important. There is also the the mental aspect of this. You know, we've seen Alec Manoa when he's in attack mode, when he's enjoying Major League Baseball, when he is so competitive and, and demonstrative. You would want to get him back to that. Um, John Schneider was asked yesterday, you know, what's what's going to be the role of sports psychologists in this process? And I liked his response a lot. He said, you know, like most of our guys, this is pretty much a daily part of their routines at the ballpark and of what it means to be a major league player and face these pressures. And he said, there's no reason that that wouldn't continue. And I thought that was a, a great response um, and, and, and an accurate one, obviously, of what actually happens. There are a lot of support staff when it comes to the mental skills involved in major league baseball. And so that's part of it as well along with filling up the strike zone and, and ideally doing it with better stuff. But, you know, first things first. Let me ask you two things along those lines. And you're right. Um, like the if you don't have a mental routine uh, at this level, uh, you know, you're putting yourself in a really difficult position. And a lot of players have a mental routine. I just I don't know that it's talked about as much, but hopefully it will be talked about more going forward. What did you think about Manoa trying to blow the ball foul? from Jeremy Pena. What did you make of that? Kicks and deals. And a butt, third base side. Hugging the line, rolling, rolling, twisting towards the chalk, hugging the... And Manoa gets down on his knees and tries to blow the baseball to no avail. But how I wouldn't say I read too much into it. <laughs> um, what about you? Me neither, but I'm, I've been trying to figure out how I feel. If that's like a good sign that he was trying to have some fun out there, right? And like trying to be relaxed... Or if that was a sign of somebody whose confidence is not in a great place right now. I don't know how I feel about it. I wanted yeah. to hear your thoughts. Well, uh, you know, would prime Justin Verlander be doing that? You know, would yeah. prime Max Scher- prime Max Scherzer might? I don't know. You know, like uh, it's it's kind of a personality thing, I think. But would Alec Manoa at his best be doing that? Like the Alec Manoa that you were yeah. referencing, right? Like that. I can't picture Kevin Gosman doing it. I don't picture Clayton Kershaw doing it. You know, true competitor Alec Manoa from 2022, who is like trying to shove it up everyone's, you know, rear end who he is facing. That guy who you were just describing. Does he yeah. do that? Yeah. 
No, it's it's a good point. At the same time, like weird stuff happens on a baseball yeah. field all the time, and it's sometimes I'm just like, yeah, you know what? Weird stuff happens. Um, so I guess I'm I, I could be persuaded either way on that one, but I wouldn't say that I've like I had like a hot take after after that. Weird stuff does happen on a baseball field. So Mauricio Dubon, a uh, favorite of Arden's pro scouting department from oh. uh, prior to the year. Uh, That's a good pick. He can move too. Right. Eh? Astute listeners may remember. Uh, yeah. I was, I was singling him out. Um, so Mauricio Dubon, like I think it was the first pitch of the ball game, maybe the second, like his first pitch actually soft flare into right field, 68 miles per hour off the bat. Right. So this is how Alcmanoa's outing starts soft hit bloop single nothing you can do about that jeremy pena just perfect butt up the third baseline that could not have laid that down any more perfectly jordan alvarez uh you get a ground ball to vladimir guerrero jr at first that should have been a double play misplayed by a gold glover at first base and then alec Bregman flies out so that's how the first four batters go i can find three outs in there yeah i can find sure. it out on the soft flare i can find the bunt goes foul and it's like he ends up you know jamming them and getting a pop-up or whatever i can there should have been two outs on alvarez bregman was an out if alec manoa gets any of those three outs and he gets through that first inning and the rest of his start plays out however it's gonna play out even if it was only like four innings three earned runs let's say not an amazing start but you know, similar to the one that he had prior to this, is he optioned to Florida? Do you think? No, no. If Probably he makes not. it through four or five, yeah. If he makes it through four or five innings, no. His next outing against the Minnesota Twins, a pretty good matchup for him. Not like an offense that's scuffling right now. Like, a, and while the Blue Jays are in a stretch where they need starts, like where they are playing thirty and thirty-one, and they don't really have a better option at AAA, I really think that if Alec Manoa gets some better luck to those first four hitters that he is not optioned and he's starting on Saturday. And that's entirely possible. It's also possible that he would face the twins on Saturday, walk five and then be optioned after that start. And, and so when I look at that individual start, I agree, you know, even the pitch that was hit for a home run, it good was pitch. a ball, you know, it was a good pitch. It was, it was not a, you know, center cut fastball, throw that pitch all the time. If you could throw that pitch again, you throw it the exact same way. Corey Jolks just put a great swing on it, but it's a good Give pitch. credit to Jolks, um, who's having a great series. And now a fly ball hit deep down the left field line, and it's gone. Corey Jolks, a rookie left fielder, just hit his fifth home run of the season, and the Astros have broken it open here in the top of the first. You know, at the same time, you look at the body of work. This is not a pitcher... You know, with with all due respect to Alec Manoa, this is not a pitcher who deserves to be in a major league rotation. If you look at the body of work, this is not a product of bad luck. This is not a product of, oh, it's a bunt that rolled fair when it should have stayed. It is a pitcher who has who ranks 96th out of 96 pitchers who with at least 50 innings in strikeout rate minus walk rate. It is not a pitcher. Take the name aside. You look at the results. This is not a pitcher who should be in a major league rotation. Wouldn't that have been true like prior to the Astros start? Yeah. So then why wouldn't yeah. you do it prior to then? I think it's basically it's a question of when was it going to happen. And then once the Astros start happened, I think that's like, okay, we have our answer. I just see things could have gone so differently in that inning. Um, and the what also like stands out to me about that inning was um, Manoa gets ahead of Abreu 0-2 and then walks him. You can't. Right. You can't have that. Against a struggling Jose Abreu. Again, you're right. Against where Abreu's at right now in his career. Against guys not making great swing decisions. You're 0-2. Um, and then getting tepid with the strike zone and not getting that out. Later on in the inning, right? Like, uh, you know, the Diaz two-strike single well-struck. Myers two-strike single well-struck. Right? Those are when things compounded and when you couldn't stop the snowball from going down the hill, which is kind of the story of the season, really. Those were the really bad parts of that inning to me. But I look at how it started. And I look at how Alec Manoa came into it. And I look at the batted balls he was getting early on. And I'm like, man, a bit better luck. And you and I are talking about something completely different right now. Yeah, it might be the Dalton Varsho podcast if that was the case. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. It's the I Kevin Gosman podcast. I, the, yeah, the demotion was, um, it, it was still earned. It was still earned in my, in my opinion. 
here's another aspect of this that's been just like rattling around in my brain and I don't even know like how to contextualize it. But like, so Alec Manoa pre-arb right now earned some money in the bonus pool last year because of his Cy Young finish now has been demoted to the minor leagues has been optioned, no longer earning big league service. This could impact his ability to reach Super 2. It might actually, honestly, prevent him from becoming a Super 2 player and reaching arbitration earlier. This is a decision that is costing Alec Manoa literally millions of dollars. Absolutely. And assuming that he is in the minor leagues for you know more than 20 days, which seems to be the likelihood right now, then... You know, like if he's recalled tomorrow for an injury, which again is not going to happen, then he would still get credit for a full year of service. So this is not effectively happened yet. But assuming that he is down there for a relatively extended stretch, he will end up with less than a full year of service this year, and he will not be a super two. Like he will not, assuming he misses a few weeks, he will not be a super two because his service then at the end of the year would be two years and something like 100 days, 110 days at most. That's not super two eligible. So that means that he will then not qualify for arbitration until at the end of the 2024 season at the earliest. And, you know, as we see with Vlad, as we see with all kinds of Super 2s, Josh Donaldson, the guys who go through that process four times can really make a lot more in their arbitration years compared to players who just go the three times, uh, like a Bo Bichette, for example. So, you know, this is significant and like, you know, at the end of the day, it's his performance that's leading to this. I think it's a justified decision on the part of the team. This is not service time manipulation, but it will have. And, and you know, I had wondered about, hey, could he, could they fake IL him? Well, a fake IL, you still get big league service time. So that is actually one of the interesting ramifications of this, because functionally, what he's doing is kind of the same as what would be happening if he was on the fake IL. If you're Alec Manoa, you actually would rather there was an next strain. It would be better for you. Yeah. And By just far. like... I'm going to go work it out in Dunedin at the complex. There would be nothing strange about that. It would be, I have, he's the guy's got an X strain. Same thing with Yusei Kikuchi last year. Yep. The guy's got an X strain. We all, you know, uh, we all present it as what it is, but obviously the club says it's legitimate. He goes to Dunedin to get better. And like it, it would, he'd be doing the exact same things that he's doing right now. But because he was optioned, this is going to cost him millions of dollars. And like you said, the difference between being a super two player and not is, substantial look at what vladimir yeah. guerrero jr is going to make in his arbitration years and look at what bo bichette's going to make in his arbitration years two guys called up the same year two guys who have had like somewhat similar statistical careers like two guys who are superstars uh but two guys who prior to hitting free agency are going to make very different amounts of money just because of the service time yeah it is a big deal and 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 look the other thing is we kind of know we can. We weren't in the room, nor was Alec Manoa available. Um, you know, after being sent down, as you'd expect, players don't address the media after being sent down. They usually just go to the minors. But all this to say, we haven't heard from Alec Manoa yet on this. But we can infer that he did not go to John Schneider and say, "Uh, hey, uh, Skip, I got a neck strain. My uh, shoulder's kind of feeling fatigued." Because um, if he had done that, there would be an obligation on the Blue Jays' part to say, "All right, you're going on the IL." Alec Manoa did not do that. He wanted to keep pitching, you know, and and that tells you something about him as a competitor. He wanted to keep going through this. And the Jays said, look, we need we need a reset. And that is understandable on the part of the team when you look at a pitcher with a six, five, three, whatever his ERA is. It's it's not good. Well, and part of that, too, is he wants to continue putting up innings and he wants to continue trying to lower that ERA. He wants to continue piling up strikeouts so that his numbers will look better in arbitration. Like you have to remember, like this is a guy who accepted a renewal the last two years, right? Like this is a this is somebody who has indicated that like they understand their value and that they are going to fight for that value as they should. So it's it's a it's a very interesting wrinkle to all of this, but the like it must be said, there is a completely just and meritocratic reason for optioning Alec Manoa, one of the least effective starters in MLB. Like you, it's it, you know, short of being on the Oakland Athletics, like pretty much any other team would make a similar decision. So I am not saying this is service time manipulation. I'm not saying the Blue Jays are trying to cut him out of money. The Blue Jays want Alec Manoa to have another Cy Young finalist 
year to give them another 190 innings of three ERA and they want to pay for that. Like they, that's, that's what they want because that's already going to be surplus value on whatever they're going to be paying him through arbitration if that happens. And then, oh, by the way, you win a whole bunch more games and maybe you go deep into the postseason and that's good for everybody. So the Blue Jays don't want this outcome. Um, but it is just, it's something that's been like rattling around in my head around this. For sure. That is a significant wrinkle. Uh, the Jays on the field have a lot to resolve here because without Manoa, they are down a starter. And we will discuss that when we come back here on At The Letters. Listen to At The Letters ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. All right, welcome back to At The Letters. Um, and Arden, for all of the discussion about what happens with Alec Manoa, um, there's still a major league team on the field that is currently playing at a 89 win pace. They're playing better, um, no doubt about that. They swept uh, the Mets in New York. You were there covering it. Uh, they came back, and as we record this on Wednesday morning, they're 1-1 one one against the Houston Astros, playing some pretty good baseball, but it's hard to kind of keep that up if you don't have a fifth starter. And uh, for the Blue Jays, it's it's a pretty open question right now as to what they do with that fifth spot. So let's take a little bit of time to discuss how they move ahead with that rotation spot starting Saturday against the Twins. Yeah, I think it's likely going to be opener in ahead of Bowden Francis, uh, if not just a straight Bowden Francis start. But yeah, I could see you know Trevor Richards getting the uh, the first inning or the first two innings there, depending on how it goes. And then Bowden Francis giving you a bulk outing and then maybe nate pearson gives you two and you kind of make up the rest depending on what the score looks like and who else has pitched recently but like that's not sustainable running bullpen days every day uh at this point in the year i know the blue jays did it like late august early september where their number five starter was literally bullpen and that worked out for them but that's not something you want to be relying on particularly and look the blue jays can get creative with the off days they have this month after the 30 games and 31 days stretch they actually have like three off days in a two-week span like they can get creative with it but i think it needs to be a priority as well to build in additional rest for guys like kevin gosman and guys like chris bassett who have both been more effective with that extra day of rest a bit of additional rest for as well, I think, would, would help guys like Jose Brios and Yusei Kikuchi just in terms of managing workload over the course of the season because you, you look at how um, like the Blue Jays haven't had to really tap into what little starting pitching depth they've had to this point because those four names I mentioned have been carrying really substantial innings loads, really substantial workloads. And I think you want to manage that going forward so that those guys can still feel as good as possible and be as effective as possible into August, into September, and you hope into October. So I really think a priority right now has to be giving those guys the time they need and making sure their schedules um, are, are optimized going forward rather than just okay we're just going to skip our fifth starter every time out because we optioned Alec Manoa and when I asked John Schneider about this the other day you know could they go to a four-man rotation he didn't totally rule out the possibility but I, I tend to agree with you that you've got to be prudent here the Jays do not have a lot of starting pitching depth I mean that's pretty apparent they're calling up Bowden Francis I mean we will see what his capability is he's off to a pretty good start at AAA he's made four starts this is a guy who was drafted in 2017 in the seventh round. Last year, AAA, his ERA was above six. So he does not have an extended upper minors track record of being really good. He's not on their list of top prospects uh, among the 30 that uh, MLB pipeline lists for the Blue Jays. So not really considered uh, a big prospect here, but we'll see. I mean, he's off to a good start. He'll get some sort of opportunity, it would seem. And so stranger things have happened. Um, certainly the bar has been set very low uh, in that spot. So you know, if he can give them three, four innings, whether it's a start, whether it's as a reliever, then you can kind of work from there. But, you know, I don't think because, you know, a path still exists for this team where they can really do some damage in the postseason with Gosman, Bassett and Barrios as your big three. Like that's very achievable, but you've got to get to the postseason with those guys healthy if you want to achieve your ultimate goal. I'm interested in seeing how Francis looks 
at the big league level, it's funny. There are some parallels to where Alec Manoa is right now. Like that's where Bowden Francis was at at this time last year. His velo was down. His mechanics were out of sort. And he ended up getting in the lap with the Blue Jays. Like in Dunedin, they sent him down there to work on some things and to iron out some inefficiencies. And they found like there was an issue with his hips. Uh, I can't remember if I've done this on the podcast before or not, but like I think I did it in spring. So I won't go too deep into it, but essentially he just wasn't coiling back far enough. Like it wasn't staying over his back leg long enough. So the they found that using a lot of kind of motion capture stuff, some of the biomechanical tools and, and resources that they have in Dunedin. And they got him using um, something called a core velocity velocity belt which is uh like the white Sox popularized it like you know i think uh dylan cease and lucas giolito were like really big proponents of it and essentially it's just like a, a harness around your hips and you kind of anchor it to the ground with a weight 10 feet away from you or whatever and it just sort of forces you into the correct movement pattern like it just sort of creates drag and and resists against you and forces you to stay over your back hip and to stay coiled and you just take a thousand two thousand five thousand reps on this thing until you have just instilled that movement pattern until it is muscle memory and then you go out on the mound and you execute it and all of a sudden Bowden francis like found two miles per hour like all of a sudden his velo ticked back up and the fastball was that much more explosive and then he took that to puerto rico and like really leaned on his fastball there had really great results and then his curveball is more effective in tandem as well and he looked great in spring and as you mentioned not somebody who the blue jays are counting on to go like two and a half trips through the order if you get two trips to the order out of them you're ecstatic like that's going to be the max with it more realistically it's going to be like 10 to 15 batters three inning sort of deal um but I, I i am interested just to see in how it how it plays in the big leagues and how some of those adjustments carry over because it's like it's it's an interesting parallel to alec manoa honestly with the mechanical inefficiencies and the velo being down bowden francis was able to to find his way out of it and uh seems like we're going to find out this weekend just how effective it can be against the best competition in the world one and two the count and the pitch from francis swung on and missed for out number two he'll get some chances that's that's good and you know we'll see what comes of this if it works he'll keep getting chances if it doesn't work well it's probably back to triple a buffalo and the jays regroup i mean this would be a great time for the jays to have mitch white you know available (laughs) and healthy and ready to run through a lineup a couple times just hasn't been the case it has been a to this point essentially a lost season for mitch white who uh, has struggled during extended rehab chances at triple a no longer being stretched out as a starter um so we will see it does not look great for mitch white at the moment um same thing with ricky tiedemann it would be great if ricky tiedemann was putting himself in position to be you know at least discussed as an option um but he has not pitched since uh, the beginning of may um, dealing with some bicep soreness um so he's not a factor at this point it is not a great time for the organizational starting pitching depth of the toronto blue jays and to this point they have gotten away with that and now uh we will see i mean maybe baden francis will be the uh the answer that the blue jays uh have have been seeking but it is also possible that the jays lack of depth here will expose them and will leave that spot in the rotation as a continued question mark for them let me ask you something should the blue jays have foreseen this being an issue and done more to build out their starting pitching depth going into the season because you look at it going into the year zach thompson was their number six they had mitch white on the mend but they expected him to be a contributor and a swingman sort of be this year's ross stripling type of role they had yosfer zulueta who they had just added to the 40 man over the off season and he was being stretched out he was starting at the beginning of the year they expected him to be a contributor as a starter he's now in the bullpen because he couldn't throw strikes uh ricky tiedemann was on the horizon um as as you mentioned i mean who am i forgetting they're thinking about chunjin ryu possibly being a contributor in the back half of the season like like, were they right to have entered the year with that sort of being the next layer of starting pitching depth, or did they need to do more? Well, you know, I think that going into the season, they thought they had some answers. Um, they thought that they would be in a good position. I, I think that it's pretty safe to say 
that their assessment of things did not lead to a adequate collection of arms to reinforce things during the season. So, you know, that is problematic. It is the job of a front office to, on an ongoing basis, find ways to backfill every area of the organization, including relief pitching, which that part is going pretty well right now, including position players, which they could use more. Um, you know, they, it would be great if Nathan Lucas had done more or if they had um, better options than, you know, a, a Heinemann, a Clement, whatever the case, who, who's been on their bench in recent uh, in recent weeks. So they need more position player depth. Um, they need to get more out of guys like an Otto Lopez and Addison Barger. That has not happened. Um, they need more starting pitching depth. It is on them as an organization to identify undervalued pitchers in other organizations um, to make trades that end up really benefiting them, to find guys who pop and to end up um, really emerging and, and making other front offices rue the trade that they made. Um, it hasn't happened for the Blue Jays, especially on the starting pitching front. And that creates a situation where they are hoping that someone like Francis can really step up. It's it's tough because I think they thought Zach Thompson would be an example of what you were just citing. They traded Chavez Young for him, unless I'm mistaken. So they like traded a dude for Zach Thompson, um, and it hasn't worked out. Now you're DFAing Zach Thompson, so that seems like a really bad bet that the Blue Jays made. Um, beyond that, when you're building out that starting pitching depth, like when you're not guaranteeing a starter uh like an actual rotation job when you're saying you're going to have to like go to triple a and pitch and you're going to be our insurance policy well you're not going to be attracting the best free agents for that for that role you're not going to be attracting guys who are like well i could just go to the royals or i could just yeah. like go to the athletics or just go to a bad team and have a rotation job and and be a big leaguer and make big league money so you're not going to really entice anybody to take on that job so you are like you said looking for those undervalued guys those thompson-esque guys you're you know looking for your minor league free agents in the drew hutchison vein who you hope can be something for you um and then you need to also develop internally and just none of those things have gone right you know drew hutchison came in wasn't very good opted out of his deal zach thompson didn't work out at all dfa'd internally Zulueta wasn't it couldn't throw strikes in the bullpen Tiedemann got hurt like of those options I think the Blue Jays tried on all of them and they just found really bad outcomes on <laughs> yeah. all of them so I don't think it's a net it's because uh, how many teams in baseball have these like amazing brilliant number six number seven Four. starters like right? I'd say the Astros Dodgers Guardians and Rays are at the yeah. forefront of having pitching depth that pops on a consistent basis the jays want to be there and they're not right now right and if the jays want to be like perennial contenders world series winners like if they want to be the astros they want to be the rays the dodgers right like always in the postseason always in contention they have to be better at that like they have yep. to do a better job of development they have to do a better job of identification and acquiring those undervalued players elsewhere they have to do a better job of helping guys get better they haven't done a good enough job of that but I don't think that the Blue Jays are this one exceptional team in baseball that doesn't have great starting pitching depth. I think that the vast majority of teams, if you looked at who their number six, number seven, number eight is, it would look something like Thompson, White, Francis, Zulueta, Tiedemann, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's that's accurate. I think that's that's accurate for sure. I mean, you look at teams like the Rays and Yankees, and the Rays and Yankees have sustained a lot of injuries to their respective starting rotations, and they have better records than the Blue Jays you know so give those organizations credit for finding ways to get it done with significant injuries much more than the Blue Jays have had to deal with yeah it's really important for the Blue Jays to do a better job at developing and sometimes it's so tough right because sometimes it's like finding a guy in the seventh round or late in the first round even like Manoa the Dodgers have done a great job like they draft late every year they draft all kinds of impact players it's incredible what they do and develop them and get them to the majors and they get results but you know sometimes it's finding a guy in the seventh round and he pops sometimes it's finding a guy off a 40-man roster in a trade because your 40 man's full and that's contributing to the major league team it's someone who's off the 40 man maybe not even rule five eligible until the next offseason finding some undervalued skill that's going to not even like strike a rate minus walk rate but some like slider that has great break it's not in the zone finding that guy putting him in the right league then he's available and he pops in a year's time and then you have an option. So that's like the chess of Major League Baseball right there. It is not easy to do. You have many, many 
dozens of employees across the industry trying to do this very thing and describing it as one thing, actualizing it is another. It's not easy, but that's their job. They have a lot of resources. They have a lot of pressure. That is their job. What the Blue Jays have been missing, and it's not the the guy who pops in a huge way and is like, oh my God, all of a sudden he's a number two. They've been missing that like steady number four that they produce from their system. Like Louis Varland is a great example of a guy with the twins, honestly, who I I remember watching him in Minneapolis being like, who is this guy? Like, where did he come from? And I'm, I bet you the blue Jays will see him again on the weekend. I haven't looked at the probables yet, but he's a guy who was just like totally fine in the big leagues. He's not going to be an all-star. Like he's not going to win a Cy Young, but he's just totally league average, like throwing innings for them at a time that the twins need it like needed him 15th round pick like college arm a guy who they have helped get better who came in with like pretty underwhelming stuff and wasn't blowing any scouts away nobody in the draft was like this guy's can't miss you got to get this guy gets in with the twins they help him develop they help him get better they make a few tweaks they get him to a place where he could be league average at the big league level the blue jays haven't produced that guy at all in recent years, like TJ Zoic didn't become that guy. Joey Murray didn't become that guy. Like Thomas, Hatch. Thomas Hatch, another great example, didn't become that guy. Like they've just, they've needed to hit on one of those dudes who can be not Alec Manoa 2022, not Kevin Gosman, just to be totally steady 150 innings of four ERA ball out of yeah. the number four spot in your rotation. Like that's what you've needed internally. And the Blue Jays haven't gotten that in recent years. Yeah, it's like they needed Drew Hutchison circa 2012 to 14, not Drew Hutchison circa 2023, you know? And so you end up with going into the season in hindsight, Drew Hutchison and Casey Lawrence, like, yeah, those are probably not the guys that are going to pop if they're throwing 90 or 88 in Lawrence's case. So, yeah, it's a it's an ongoing question for the team. And it kind of connects to where they go, you know, moving forward, not just start to start, but month to month, which leads me to the trade deadline and like, how do you think they approach the rotation when it comes to the the deadline, which I think this year is August 1st? I think they do what they've done in prior years and look for starting pitching that is controllable beyond this season. So you think about Mitch White, you think about, I mean, Ross Stripling several years ago. Those are kind of the mid-end. On the higher end of that, you look at like a Jose Barrios, right? Like mm-hmm. the Blue Jays will pay prospect costs to acquire those guys who've seen it time and again but they have to have control like i don't think the blue jays are very interested in trading for a starter for just nine starts down the stretch like i don't think they're interested in a david price deal i think they're interested in somebody that they have control who's going to contribute beyond just this season so is that going to be a shane bieber on the the high end like is that going to be i don't know i haven't really done enough research on like who might be available in terms of controllable starters at the deadline but is there somebody from a more mid-tier who who could be this year's mitch white this year's ross stripling we'll see but i think that regardless of how things have gone winning losing like what you know alec manoa is in the minors he's a Cy Young candidate whatever regardless of all that i think that's something the blue jays are going to be perpetually interested in at the trade deadline because they see that as an opportunity to acquire those types of players who can be contributors for them in years to come and to continue refreshing their their roster yeah i think that's a good read i also think like hey if if you can get someone in the meantime just a stopgap, just like uh, in the mold of a Julio Tehran, a Johnny Cueto, you know, I'm not saying those exact guys, but you, you get what I'm saying here, like a veteran starting pitcher who's got like not really much upside, but like a semi moderately high floor. Like, I think this would be a decent time to acquire one of those guys if there's a move to be done out there. Do you see one available? No, no I don't. Yeah. I don't think there is one available. Um, so, you know, it's it's a challenge. Uh, for sure for the Jays. But you mentioned Barrios. Uh, we want to touch on him and uh, give him a little bit of credit for what's been an incredible stretch of starts uh, from a guy who had a rough season in 2022. So we will discuss that and more when we return. All right, we're back on At The Letters. And before we get to Jose Barrios, Let's go behind the scenes just a little bit here. This might be a momentary diversion before we return to the field of play here, Arden. But um, in baseball, you know, there's so many like weird 
outfits. And um, I just want to get your favorite uh, from spring training to the postseason. Like you cover all kinds of climates, all kinds of times of year. Like they wear some weird stuff. They really do. They wear some weird stuff. So yeah, hit me with your favorite. You're the only person in the world who thinks about this. <laughs> well, now our listeners will too. So uh, that may have been true up until this moment. When you threw this at me before the pod, I was like, the only thing I can think of is that it's weird that managers wear uniforms and have numbers. Like At the end of the day, the purpose of the number on the back of the uniform is for identification. And yeah. I've, I've never failed to identify which guy is the manager. It's typically the dude who's like 50. That's yep. typically the manager in the, in the dugout. He's the guy making the pitching changes. I haven't ever had to been like, oh, that's 52. That must be John Schneider. I don't actually know what Schneider's number is. But Four? I do think it's weird that managers wear uniforms and have numbers. I don't need help identifying them. Yeah, I couldn't tell you their numbers. But um, yeah, it, I think it is definitely weird that managers wear numbers. Like, I think that's a, you know, undeniable fact. Uh, the one I'm going to throw out here is the short sleeved hoodie. Uh, I think it is like a baseballism for, for guys to walk around wearing a short sleeved hoodie. Uh, I don't see that in my everyday life uh, very often. And even better than the short sleeved hoodie is the sleeveless hoodie. That is is baseball to me nothing says baseball like seeing dudes walk around in short-sleeved hoodies to me this is like an artifact of the baseball diamond and i just want to shout that out a couple of uh stray sunflower seeds hanging off the you know there's maybe a little bit of chewing tobacco residue around the uh around the neck that's right baseball to you that is baseball all right well also uh perhaps more importantly uh let's get to jose barrios right here so 10 starts. His last 10 starts, he has a 2.48 ERA. He's been great. I mean, this is pretty significant. We spent most of the podcast discussing Alec Manoa, who has obviously not lived up to the potential or expectation that surrounded him beginning this season. Jose Barrios has quietly gone in the opposite direction. He's gone at least five innings in each of those 10 starts. Like He's been the himself. He's making 2022 look like a very strange outlier in his career. Uh, he's found something clearly that's sustainable and that's working really well for him right now. He's really confident um, during his outings, and he's really got a lot of poise and conviction on the mound, I think. Uh, and he's doing some interesting things with his slurf. He's really adding and subtracting with the velo of it. Um, it On average, it is a couple ticks below where it's been in the past, and I think that's given him just some more break on it. Like the slower you throw a pitch, the more time it has to move on its way to the plate. So I think that's helped make his breaking ball a bit bigger, and uh, you know it's getting helping him get a bit more swing and miss on it when he uses it in that fashion. But he's also landing it for strikes, and he's beginning plate appearances with it, throwing it early in counts, using it as an out pitch as well. It's his most used weapon this year. I think that's been a really important adjustment for him, um, and that's helped his fast fastballs play up as well like those you know two seamers either side of the plate four seamers away from from lefties and the location of those heaters has just been a lot more fine this year it hasn't always been perfect uh you know that he's he's made mistakes as as all pitchers do but he has been more consistent in getting those heaters to the edges of the plate and keeping them out of a hitter's happy zone. So I, I do think that like all of those things are working in concert for Jose Brios right now to make him look like the guy that the Blue Jays traded to good prospects for and then signed to a very long lucrative extension. He is that guy again. He is making 2022 look like an outlier. Brios comes in here, throw the ball really well over his last several starts. On a pretty good roll, three earned runs or fewer in each of his last five starts. The ERA at 386. His last one was at Minnesota against his former team. Went into the sixth inning, did not allow a run. It was his fifth win. A 1-2. Slurve on the outside corner. Strike three called. Wow, that was a beautiful sequence by Jose Barrios. Yeah, he really is. And that's a huge development for this team. I mean, if we had, and I'm sure we did touch on this, going into the season, what are some of the big steps forward or, or positive potential storylines that could swing the season in a positive direction for the Blue Jays? Jose Barrios bouncing back would have been toward the top of that list. And, you know, right now he looks like a number two or three starter. This is this is huge. He helps himself out, of course, with his great uh, athleticism and, and defensive ability. 
um, better at holding runners than some on this Blue Jays team as well. So, you know, a really, really good pitcher having a bounce back season. And you mentioned that contract through 2028. He will be making a lot of money. And 2028 is a long time from now, a uh, really long time from now in baseball years. But I don't know. Like, I think I might be coming around on this. And like, you know, these things change pretty quickly as we see with Alec Manoa and as we see with others. But I kind of look at that deal right now. I'm like, kind of looks fine. Like it doesn't, I'm not saying it's a steal like the Kevin Gosman deal, which looks incredible. Um, but I think the Brios deal kind of looks okay. Yeah, it's taken him a while to get here. Like, it's funny to look at the just how his mechanics in with Minnesota and his mechanics now. Like, it looks very different, but he's found something that's obviously working for him. So now it's just about maintaining that going forward. And look, there's going to be rough outings to come. I mean, it's for any starting pitcher. Kevin Gosman's had a couple of rough ones this year, and that guy's an ace. So, uh, and I don't throw that word around lightly, by the way. Like, Kevin Gosman is an ace in this league. But so for Barrios, it's just going to be about containing that to those rough outings, just making them just little blips just once here once there and in between just being the like six innings of you know one or two run ball guy that he's been to this point and continuing to use his slurve as effectively as he has like it's just such an important pitch for him it's such a difference maker for him um like when on on the weekend against the Mets I mean he was just he was doing everything with it right like he was backdooring it arm side he was you know uh like driving it down against the back feet of left-handed hit Hitters. Uh, he had a cold strike whiff rate on his slurve uh, on, uh, I guess it was Sunday or Saturday, whatever day it was that he pitched, of 49%. Wow. So that's like half of the slurves that he threw were either a cold strike or a swinging strike. And those are the two best outcomes you can get as a pitcher from a pitch that you have thrown. So I just like when he's doing things like that, you know, you really do see just why he was as good as he was for as many years as he was with, with Minnesota and like still a guy who honestly like is like pretty young in his career. He's 29 years old. You know, like when we're talking about Kevin Gosman, like we're talking about a guy who, you know, is it's pretty remarkable that he's doing what he's doing, like at his age, you know, he should he's getting up against it in terms of being in his mid 30s. But it's only 32. I'm pretty sure he's 32. But he's certainly of 11 seasons in the majors. He's been around a long time. Either way, right? Like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of mileage there. And he's like, he's older than uh, than Jose Barrios is, certainly. And like Jose Barrios, like you can see why the Blue Jays gave him that contract and obviously like projected him to be good enough going forward to like provide value on that contract otherwise they wouldn't have signed him to it and trust me like people the the blue jays front office like the people in there they're typically trying to like convince their peers not to (laughs) sign starting pitchers (laughs) to those contracts they're not they're not handing out seven year 131 million dollar deals very often so they clearly see something that projects very well uh and you know with with jose brios i think that we're seeing it right now it just took a lot longer than anyone would have liked to get him to this place where he has something sustainable, but it does appear that he's found it. it absolutely. Uh, on Gosman, real quick. So I wrote this yesterday, and I want to hear your take on it. I think the only pitchers that I think are like truly better than Kevin Gosman right now are Strider, McClanahan, maybe Garrett Cole. And then I'm kind of like, that's it. I think Gosman is like, and, and you hinted at this earlier, but I just think he's like a top five pitcher in Major League Baseball right now. Yeah, Framber Valdez is so underrated to to my mind. Like I just I I I don't know, and that's just like a personal favorite of mine. I love watching that guy pitch. Um I would throw Luis Castillo into that discussion. I think he's up there, but yeah, I, I I'm not going to argue with you that Kevin Gosman is like a top 10 pitcher in this game. Um if you want to go top 5, maybe that's a little aggressive, but like he's an ace, right? How many, yeah. you know, who would you trade him for? right now in terms of right starting pitchers not that many guys right that you would um it's just it's remarkable what he's doing like he's so consistent with his command right now you look at the way that he pitched against houston and it's just like everything is like knee to upper thigh fastballs splitters sliders like just everything was on that plane consistently commanded looked the same out of his hand stayed on the same plane for a really long time towards the plate and then just moved in different directions at different rates of speed like that's how the guy got 14 called strikes with his fastball which is remarkable i haven't looked it up but i'm i i can't imagine there's been too too many starts where somebody has had 14 called strikes with a four seam fastball 
this year. Like it's just it's just it's rare to do that against big league hitters. That shows you how in between those Houston Astros hitters were using the whole strike zone, using the bottom of the zone more with the fastball. Alejandro Kirk, he shouted out Kirk after the game saying that Kirk had probably stolen him five or six strikes, um, maybe out of those 14. So, you know, that pairing is working well. But however, however you break it down. Yeah, Gosman, it's incredible. Like it's to me, it's it's even more impressive than Robbie Ray, who won a Cy Young with the Blue Jays a couple <laughs> years ago. Yeah, remember when that was the conversation? Remember when yeah. it was like, oh, did the Blue Jays make the right decision by giving Kevin Gosman $5 million less <laughs> than Seattle gave uh, Robbie Ray over five years? Um, yeah, that has worked out incredibly well. And I, you know what? I know exactly what the discussion is going to be next spring. It's can Alec Manoa bounce back? Do they have the right solutions for him? Like, has he found something? It's going to be like, oh, you know, you spent all offseason in Dunedin working in the lab and like working with the performance coaches and everything. He's got a new mindset. He's got a new routine. He's, you know, physically. Physically, he's different. Like, or it's the. I tell you right now, that's going to yep. be the storyline next February, March, for sure. I, I believe it. I will look forward to reading about it or uh, watching a uh, report on it, whatever the case. From you, we'll give that uh, one to Shy. Shy yeah. can do that. That's <laughs> the first week of spring. Come on, that's like a first days of spring story. Yeah, that's, that's an early spring. That's Shy to yeah. be byline on that one. Yeah. All over it. All right. Well, um, for Arden Swelling, uh, for Christian Ryan and Nick Andrade, this is it on At The Letters for this week. Thanks for sticking with us. Continue to find us where you find your podcast, wherever that is. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon uh, as we continue discussing the Blue Jays here on At The Letters.